Today on Locked On Red Wings, breaking down the red and white game and which player stood out the most. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. Uh, I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio, while Scotty is the host of Locked On Tigers as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. Scotty, how was your weekend, man? It was good. It was pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Went up north, got the boat out of the water, got the cradle out of the water, got the dock out of the water, but got it all done in like eight hours. So that's not bad. Not bad. That's you know went to went to a cider mill on Sunday. It was fun. Nice, nice. That's it. You know that's the fall is truly here when you yeah, start. I even I wore going a flannel. Oh, you wore a flannel. Wore You're a like flannel. the most stereotypical dude ever. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. I don't only I only own one good flannel, so I was like, it is perfect flannel wearing weather today. So <laughs> You're like it's fall good. time to break out the flannel, <laughs> the the flannel. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the training camp continued over the weekend and it uh, accumulated to the red and white game that puck dropped at noon on Sunday, an hour before the Lions played, which, you know, I mean, whatever happened at the end of the Lions game is whatever. Inconvenient timing, nonetheless, to watch that game, but still excited that hockey was back. Um, Scotty, I had, it was yeah, a fun... the Tigers played too. It was really I, to be fun. honest, For I know the Tigers covered... played. Someone who covers uh, <laughs> several teams that play in uh, in the city of Detroit. It, it, it is really ridiculous. Fun to have, like every Detroit sporting event, all at the same time. It is ridiculous that the Tigers are even still playing. That's the that's the we thing that I don't get about baseball, man. It's just the length of the season is insane. You could be out of the season a month ago and still have another forty games to play that nobody's going to care about. It's crazy Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, you have to care about it. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, I cared about it before, but yes, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, red I'm and white game. So. Well, so we had you are a sicko, but more than one, more than just that reason. Uh, we had the red and white <laughs> game on Sunday, and we had the rest of training camp on Friday and Saturday as well. And I think there's actually one more day of training camp that is Monday, um, if the Center Ice website is correct. Though that's the place they're playing at. That Monday is the final day for training camp before preseason kicks off on Tuesday. But the red and white game happened. Team red beat team white four to two, which was honestly a bit of a surprise because if you look at the rosters and compare team red and team white, I would have told you team white was stacked. But team red came out and they took the win four to two. You had goals from Giovanni Smith, Cross Hannis, Jacob Verana, uh, Kubalik, and then for team white, just Dylan Larkin and Matt Luff. Scotty, when you're watching this game, what was the biggest takeaways you had uh, through viewership? I think the most clear takeaway that everyone should be number one on everybody's was how good Phillips Adina looked. Yes. So like good. it was, it, it wasn't just like, Oh, like, you know, he, he had a few passes here and that like he pretty much start to finish was flying and looked unbelievable. And, and that could be, you know, everybody else maybe not maybe he's got like pedal to the metal going 100 percent, and everybody else is like all right maybe like let's calm down a little bit I, I i i couldn't tell you the reasoning as to why other than he was just like it literally looked like in a different gear than everybody else he 
Philip Zadina was was on one in this game. I feel like that's a part of the reason, and this is just me, you know, maybe projecting my thoughts onto it, but I feel like he feels like he has a lot to prove this season and that it starts now. Because I remember there was a video that came out, I think it was Max Boltman tweeted out the video. I, I'd have to double check on that. Of uh, he, Zadina and Verona stayed after practice uh, on Saturday to practice some net front stuff. So Zadina, and I believe Zadina also worked with Piranha a little bit. Zadina is very trying, trying very hard to improve his game because this is a big year for him. You know, he did get his contract extension, but you know, he's got a lot to prove, not to us, but to himself that he can score at this level and that he can produce at this level. And, you know, it's just the red and white game and it's just training camp, but this is where it starts. You know, this is, this accumulates into the start of the season. So if you can have a hot, uh, training camp and go into a hot preseason, it'll carry over until the season. You're right. He looked, he was by far and away the best player on the ice in that game. There, there were other guys too, like Jacob Vrana and Dominic Kubalik look really good as well. But Zadina looked absolutely on fire in that game. He did. He really did. And I think the biggest thing for me was the playmaking and like the, the look, if he skates at, at that gear and, and looks like that, if he in the regular season looks that much faster and, and like <laughs> looks that good at skating and that much better at skating than everybody else on the ice, then the scoring like will come inevitably. Like that's how, that's how good he looked, but the, the playmaking was fantastic. I mean, the goal to, uh, to Verona was a nice little one-timer and uh, it was, it was an absolute beauty. And like he, he pulled defenders off and then dumped it kind of, kind of back a little bit right to uh Verona in front of the net who just let it rip it was it it, it was a, a really nice play and it kind of was the highlight of a as we have said a, a very good performance by Phillips well Zidane. and we've talked about what that middle six could look like and you know you could pair Verona up with Peron you could pair him up with Zadina you could pair Piranha Piranha Peron and Verona that'd be a good nickname for them Piranha there you go um Peron and Verona together but Honestly, that Zadina Verona connection looks really good. I mean, Verona's goal came off a feed from Zadina. I, it was just they look like they're going to have some insane chemistry out there. Which I mean, it kind of makes sense. Their their playing styles are, you know, they Zadina wants to be like a Verona type, and I think Verona. First of all, no, I'm not going to say. It. I don't want to jinx it. I was I was going to j- say something about Verona's health, but I, I know better. I'm gonna not gonna I'm not yeah, gonna jinx yeah. it. Maybe maybe not. We've made it further into training camp than we did last year. So that's that's the takeaway so far. But I mean, that those wingers on that line two and line three, that I mean, that could be a high production middle six for the Detroit Red Wings. And that's gonna be really exciting to look for. I mean, there's a lot of guys that looked really good. I mean, Kosa looked really good in this game. Obviously, only let up the, I think the one goal because Vili Huso let up the other for Team White. I mean, Kosa has had a phenomenal training camp and he's had a good he had a good prospects tournament too, which is a great thing to see after you know the him being the backup at the World Junior reboot and then the third string goalie at the original World Junior that got canceled because of COVID. So to see these players, and again, it's just training camp. You don't want to take too much away from it. You have to wait till preseason to see how it shakes out. But it, it's reassuring to see that it, it appears that there's been clear steps taken forward by these guys. They've come back this training camp, and they look better than they did last training camp, which is great to see. Dominic Kubalik, I mean, I, we've already mentioned him, but I mean, this is a guy who's two years removed from a 30-goal season, and he had I think, like 15 and 12 or something like that the last two seasons, and he looked great out there as well. And we already know 
And we'll talk about the Derek Lalonde press conference after the red and white game in the second half of the episode. But when they asked him about Dominic Kubelik, he's like, yeah, he's a shooter. He shoots pucks and he scores. Shooter, baby. Put him in a position to shoot. He'll score goals. I mean, he might not be the most dynamic player, but he has a lethal shot, man. So he if does. you can put Dominic Kubelik in a position to rip that puck, then he'll get, I don't know Power if he'll, or you know. Play. Power play. play. I don't know. <laughs> All right, please. I, I, I don't know if he'll ever be like a perennial 30 goal scorer, but if he could pop 20 in the back of the net, that'd be a phenomenal production. What, he'd be on a third line? Yeah. 20, 20 goals from the third plus, plus plus a special teams player? Sign me the heck Well, up. you combine Kubelik with David Perron, who's a power play killer too. I mean. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, the well, power he, play he could, could be elite too. Oh yeah. David Perron's just a really good hockey player. Yeah, and that's another guy. Player. There's just a lot. I mean, any any other players for you, Scotty, that just like when you're watching, just were like, wow. Yeah, well, I, I want to talk defensively um, as well. I thought that uh, Hironic looked pretty solid defensively, and it wasn't, you know, oh, my goodness, this is a you know breakout year. This is going to be some crazy season just because I thought he looked good in the red and white game. But, like, he, he did look solid for whatever it's worth. Got tangled up a few times, stopped some – uh, some you know dives at the net. I, I thought he looked pretty solid for whatever that's worth. Edvinson had, I don't know, not well. Also, like camp before, like pre red and white game, like just talking about camp. Edvinson, based on a lot of reports and based on the video we've seen, has been pretty. I don't want to say hit or miss because that's way too dramatic, but uh, th- there's been some plays and and clips you look at and you go, okay, maybe need to work on some stuff there. And then there's some that where we go, okay, you're a literal unicorn. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's, yeah, there's kind of some, some, which is kind of expected for where he's at developmentally. So that's fine. Um, yeah, like I I wanted to, I wanted to shout out Heronic. Um, Ben Sherratt's a physical dude. I think Boltman. That's a great one. Sherratt looked great. He did. I, I think, yeah, I think Boltman wrote some stuff about, um, about Sherrod as well, but yeah, he's a, he's a big physical dude. And so like, those are the two, I think on the blue line that stood out to me were those two. And then offensively was, yeah, really, I mean, hard to take too like, you know, hard to take too much else in besides just Zadina. Like it's, it's really hard to articulate how, how good he looked. He was flying. He was absolutely flying. Well, why don't you formulate some sentences in your head? And while you do that, I'll tell the people about Athletic Greens. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Our next partner is a product you got to use literally every day. You got to start taking AG1 because with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotic, adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. It is lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health complications and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. So he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create that optimal nutrition routine on your own. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Holy crap, I don't think I've ever gotten through that one that cleanly, cleanly before. <laughs> Congrats. Got to pat myself on the bat for, bat for that one. Bat back. <laughs> See, I saved all the stuttering and the mess-ups for after the read. There you go. That's good. Um, good thanks, to do it. thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. So I got to ask you a question, though. How do you feel? Did you see Alex Andalkovich's new pads? Because we got to do this yes. every year. Thumbs up, thumbs down. A thumbs up? Are you about to thumbs down? No, no. I'm going to thumbs up it, but I just want to know oh. your opinion. I think yeah. the sharp, man. I, I always am a fan of very simplistic pads, although I will say I loved Magnus Helberg's Red Wings pads last well, year. And those that's are, the GOAT. That's, that's the GOAT. Did you see his Kraken pads, by the way? It's yes, like the same yeah, concept. No, like, yeah, Sick as hell. No, he's he's the greatest of all time. He's the greatest <laughs> okay. pad player of all time. That's that's no 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 not not the greatest goalie of all time. He's the greatest pad artist. Well, he's not doing it. You get what I'm saying? He's the greatest yeah. pads in the history of the game of hockey, I'm convinced. The that Seattle Kraken ones are unbelievable sick. with it. Um, but the I've always been a fan of just simplistic goalie pads for the most part. And Alex yeah, Nagovich's like are just not they're red with some white accents to them. And I it kind of almost like that year Jimmy Howard had all red pads, but this just has a little white blocks to them. Looks good. I like it a lot, but neither here nor there. I did want to continue on with your Ben Chirot, uh stuff. And this kind of almost this kind of segues us into the Dirk Lalonde press conference. <sighs> Got to get better at saying Lalonde. I keep wanting to say Lalonde. My brain wants to say Lalonde, but it's Lalonde. The Derek Lalonde press conference afterwards when they were asking him just what he thought about the game. And Ben Chirot's name came up, and he was really impressed, as we all were, by Ben Chirot's play. And I think – I am not. I won't speak for you, Scotty, but for me, I, maybe I did discount – it's hard to tell because, again, it's preseason and it's training camp. It Maybe I did discount a little bit about – you know, his grit 60, but like he, he does play a very difficult game to play against the defensive game. Cause he is so physical and he does kind of bully you. And that did lead to scoring chances the other way. I'm he is a tough player to play against. And does he take bad penalties? Yes. But that's kind of the, the flip side of the coin to him being a physical player that gets up in your face in the defensive zone. So well, I the, the contract situation with him, I, I, I started off shaky on and I'm still a little shaky on it. You know, remains to be seen. I watching him play, I'm getting a little bit more confident in that contract by just being like, okay, he's he's a pain in the ass to play against. He's not going to make it easy for you, and that's something that the Red Wings did not have in the back end. Yeah, I I, I think the biggest thing f- for me is I'm just really excited to see him for like a significant amount of time with Cider. Like I mm. I, I think that that is the most important thing for his value but but also the just the biggest thing to determine kind of how we're going to react to this deal is there you know watching him today there is and again red and white game whatever but there is a a legitimate you know argument and uh, uh so, I don't know it kind of made me excited to think about what he could do with cider like those two styles on a pair together on paper 
is pretty pretty in, in, enticing, right? Like that's a pretty intriguing thought. It's just a matter of you know the execution of that yeah. plan, and that is that is the big thing that is still you know rem- we'll we'll see. I, I guess preseason games start here. I'm really pumped about that, but I think that's the biggest thing. Is just I when watching him today, yesterday as you're listening to this, I was like, you know what? There's a chance that that pairs with cider really well. And and I think that's the the biggest thing that I hope ends up being true that I kind of took out of it while I was watching him today. I mean, you want to focus on the benefits of that defensive pairing. You you look at you know how physical Sherrod is and you know how physical cider can be. I mean, they could very well terrorize forwards out there yeah. with their physicality. I mean, they I mean, Sherrod's thick, cider's big. You combine that, man. It's it's that's a that's a tough pair to play against in the back end. So there's definitely an upside to it, and I definitely think that is your number one pairing, like without a doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. When talking, they also asked him obviously about Edvinson, and you kind of hinted at it there at the end of segment one that he was kind of he didn't have his best game. Uh, Lalone said it himself; he had four or five turnovers that kind of forced him to play in the, his own end, and Lalone was hoping to see him play a little bit more in the offensive zone. So there's a, there were some miscues. There were some turnovers by Simon Edvinson. And then here's, a, here's the part where you kind of have to, like, realize and remember what you're looking at. And, you know, take the fact that he was a sixth overall pick and that he's following up more at Cider. You have to remember, this is a 19-year-old kid. And he's going to make mistakes. And he's just now coming over from Europe. And he's playing on a much smaller ice. So these type of mistakes are going to happen. In fact, you want these mistakes to happen now rather than during the regular season. You want him to make these mistakes now so that the training camp is here and preseason is here to teach those things out of him. And you know what? If the end they find out, in the end they find out that he is meant to be in the AHL to start the season, that is fine. I'd rather that happen than rush him up. So while there is like, we, we've talked about it before, the expectations of Simon Evanson, maybe that bar has risen because of how good, how effective Cider was in his first season and uh, like how quickly he came in and became the number one defenseman. Maybe, you know, we got to, again, temper those expectations and realize, oh, yeah, this is a 19-year-old. And most 19-year-olds are not Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. We have been so incredibly blessed with those two guys coming in and being as effective as they are. But most prospects do take a little bit of time. I mean, look at Jonathan Bergeron. He's been, he was fantastic last year in Grand Rapids, but they chose to let him, you know, cultivate a little bit better in the AHL before making any decisions. He might not even make the Red Wings roster coming out of preseason because it's so log jammed, although he did look great. And the red yeah, and white that's game. another guy I actually wanted to talk about. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a seamless transition. Cause I thought in like all reports out of camp and, and, and all the, the video that we have seen and uh, whatever it, it is, red and white scrimmage gameplay, whatnot, everything we've seen has been really enticing from Bergeron. And, and that's someone that, Lalone highlighted and, and talked about specifically and said that he really likes what he's what he has seen out of him uh said that I, I think the exact quote was he said that he protected the puck a lot better than he expected and pushed the puck uh down ice quicker than than maybe he had anticipated so like there's a lot moving positively in in the direction of Jonathan Bergeron as well that's one of the biggest if I had to like rank the maybe not storylines but just like the players with the the most intriguing stories i guess that's kind of the storyline you get what i'm trying to say i I understand it's it's uh he would be toward the top like edvinson would would 
I mean, kind of has to be number one as far as biggest story in camp. But I think if if you exclude Edvinson, Bergeron is is one of the bigger kind of players to watch this camp and and figure out where what his future really looks like, where he stands currently, how much playing time he would get if he made the NHL roster right out of camp. Uh, and if he goes back down to Grand Rapids, how much time is he planning on spending there? What else could he possibly really work on because he looks so good down there? I think that he's one of the more intriguing players to keep an eye on during the preseason and during camp. And so hearing Lalonde talk so highly of him already, I think only makes it even more intriguing than it already was. Absolutely. And I kind of want to talk about Bergen too, but let's get to our second ad break before I do that. Um, and when we come back, I'll, I will continue this conversation on the Derek Lalonde post red and white game press conference. Segment three, locked on Red Wings podcast. Yeah, I agree with you on everything you said about Jonathan Bergen. The only thing, and I'm still, is it Jonathan or Jonathan or Jonathan Bergen? I've, I've heard people I've, go back and forth on that one. I've heard like a 50, 50 split of like both. Soderblom, Soderbloom. People go back and forth. It's gonna it's gonna have to wait until they get to the NHL level because then people are like, okay, for real. Yeah, though. then people will be super, yeah, particular about it. Um, but Bergeron did look very good. And honestly, I think he looks NHL ready. I do think he's ready to play at the NHL level, but I understand that they're not it's the same reason why they didn't call him up last year. They don't want to call him up if he's not gonna be playing meaningful minutes. Now he did play right. time with Larkin during the training camp and during but that's just part of the line blender. I'm not going to try and yeah. say that that's where but he's going to play. At what point do you look around and go, okay, well, like we have to put him in a, in a position now where he can earn more playing time. Yeah. At, like at the you NHL can't level just, as well. Like we can't just forever just sit here and be like, oh, well, there's no room for him. Well, like <laughs> what well, else that's the you do with him? It is, that's the thing though. Is I, And Eisenman, I love this about Eisenman, but it, it doesn't matter. And he said this. After the free agent press, it's the free agent presser after day one of free agency. He said, like, just because I signed guys to contract doesn't mean that there's not room for the young guys. If they earn a spot, they earn a spot. Like, that's what it's about is the best player is going to play. So he's just he's like, I could sign. And he didn't actually say this part, but basically the way I interpreted it as. I could sign somebody and he could, you know be under contract and the idea is for him to play. But if someone comes into camp and beats him out for his roster spot, then that's on him. So I'm like basically not going to play somebody just because they're under contract. He's going to play whoever's going to give the Red Wings the best chance to win. That's what I interpreted from that. What he said that when he said that and Bergen, if he earns a roster spot, much like Raymond did last off season, last training camp, then put him in the NHL, put him in the middle six. Let's see what he's got. I mean, there's there's a lot of youth that's coming up. I mean, another guy, Albert Johansson, looks very much, very close to being NHL ready. He's almost there. He might be there. And just because there's a log jam of bodies under contract doesn't mean he can't beat those guys out. Same thing with Edvinson. So, I mean, it's all going to come down to who's the best player available. And that's what this is all about. That's why I'm so excited is there's no, like, I signed a veteran, so the veteran has to play. It's... If the veteran gets outplayed by a rookie, the rookie's going to play. And I love that mentality because that's how it should be. You'd be surprised how many organizations don't do that. Ken Holland didn't do that. Right. So, well, that's the thing is, is that entirely depends on your, your organization's status, right? Like that's, that's, if you're trying to win hockey games 
and you're not rebuilding and you're not tanking and you're not trying to lose, you are trying to win. That's how winning teams operate. Best player at each position. Best player makes the NHL roster. The the like that's that's just how it works. And for so long, we have been in the the bottom of the bottoming out of tanking and everything and and across this entire city, right? Not just the Red Wings and especially sports with minor league systems or, or farm systems or whatnot. You don't always see that because of a plethora of reasons that we've talked about plenty over the last however long you and I have been doing this now, but it's just really refreshing to hear and see like, oh, we're trying to win again and we have like expectations to win again. So the best player is going to get the spot. That's really just nice. It's really nice. It's really nice. Um, I also, Max Boltman asked a really good question too, and I want to bring this up before we run out of time. He asked Derek Lalonde expectations versus reality, how he felt training camp went. And uh, Lalonde said that he thinks that, you know, it met, if not exceeded expectations that going in, there were some nerves and he wasn't quite sure how or to go probably when he said they probably meant like on his side, but on like how it went with the team in general. And he said that structurally they came out a lot, a lot tighter than he thought, like not try not to put words in his mouth, but structurally that was what he was focused on, focusing on. He wasn't focusing on pairings. He wasn't focusing on like certain matchups. He just wanted to get the structure and the foundation of the team because he has his own vision for how this game should be played. And he said he was very happy with how the structure came out. He said expectation versus reality. He thinks that it met that expectation at at the very least. And I I like hearing that because they even asked him about like, you know, Sider played with Lindstrom in the uh, red and white game. And they, we'd seen that during training camp. And he was like, is that like an idea of a pairing? He's like, to be honest, I didn't even realize. He's like, I was so focused on how the game was being played that I didn't focus on who was playing the game. And like, at first I was like, I don't, I don't know, but like, I get it. I understand where he's coming from. Cause he's trying to embed. He said that there were things that they worked on during training camp that he could see the players consciously trying to execute during the game. And that's huge because it means the message is getting through to the players. Yeah, you, you, he's trying to analyze like we do when we watch while also you're still the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's there, there's you are the person that's in charge of what lines are out there and what personnel is on there. But at the same time, we're at a point where he is watching and actively trying to analyze and figure out who plays well together and that he's watching like, oh, you know, that was a nice pass. These two are working well together. Like spacing is good. Positioning is good and all that. This might be a good line. And then, you know, 90 seconds goes by and he goes, oh my God, like I'm, I'm coach. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's, there's a, there's something to be said for that, I think. And I think that that's probably what he, um, kind of what he was implying there. But I, I, I was really pleased with the entire weekend. Uh, I, I mean, Saturday, if just to like run down, there wasn't anything super noteworthy over training camp um, this weekend besides the the red and white game. But they they tried a lot of like crazy lines and pairings, honestly, on Saturday, which again is just as you talked about, just trying to get players playing with new people, trying to just experiment with some stuff. Why not? You're early on in the process. Um, and yeah, it led to Sunday and I'm, I'm really pumped for Tuesday. Now I'm really pumped to, to actually have some, some gameplay to go over. Hopefully some, uh, you know, seeing our guys go up against 
a another team, somebody that Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Yeah, Pittsburgh, yeah. yeah. I mean, a team that, uh, well, they've had a roller coaster of the last couple of years and whatnot, but still, I, I mean, just uh, getting to play another team and, and instead of analyzing us versus each other, actually be like, oh, like when we go up against another actual NHL team, how do we look? So, like, okay, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to derail you here because I'm well, just I'm, a little. I'm I'm confused because the center, the center ice, the website that has the training camp on, like they host a training camp. They say that there is training camp on Monday still at yeah. 9 30 AM doors open at nine, but the Red Wings Twitter acts as if training camps all over with the tweets that they're making. So I'm like, is there training camp on Monday? I'm like all of a sudden doubting it. I don't know. Maybe there's like just different work. Like obviously they're going to practice and have camp still. Like all the personnel are still there. Like obviously they're still going to have, can't maybe it's just like the exact wording that's like throwing yeah, everyone up. Maybe, I think it's the wording on the Red Wings Twitter that's making me think that it's over because there's still one more day left. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, we'll find out at nine thirty on Monday we if will. there's another. But um, just one of those things where you're like so confident on something and then like one thought creeps into your head and all of a sudden you're like doubting everything you ever knew. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. There was one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and then I got confused by my own brain. Oh, Giovanni Smith. Do you want to talk about your boy, Giovanni Smith? <laughs> Anybody can get it, baby. <laughs> Giovanni Smith don't get it. First off, empty net goal. Shout out the dog. Um, but no, so basically there was like this story that kind of happened in camp where uh, – Edmondson, I guess, may have had a high stick, and Giovanni Smith was not very happy about it. And he said that he was pissed. And uh, I actually got it DM'd to me and like added, like people were adding me on like Twitter and stuff, and they're like, your boy. Good, your man." <laughs> um, because yeah, he he he. I think he uh, implied or said something about like swinging on like he was like pissed and and whatnot. And like nothing came of it or, or, or whatever, obviously, because it's camp and their teammates. But just, uh, you know, maybe a nice little nice little feeler. I love the competitive drive. I love it. Maybe maybe don't fight with your own teammates, which they didn't. He didn't. It, but I mean, let's be honest, that does happen every once in a every once in yeah, a while. Maybe uh maybe, you know, Edvinson maybe keeps the stick lower just because he doesn't want to piss off some team. Maybe it's a good thing for everybody. He goes, Okay, I don't want to get in a fight with Giovanni Smith. Maybe I lower my stick next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Simon Edvinson did hit Smith in the face, and it was an yeah. accident. But, I mean, Smith was rewarded with the penalty shots because they weren't doing – I thought that was weird. They weren't doing power play and penalty kill because I thought that would be something they'd want to work on in training camp. But, regardless, they did penalty shots instead of penalties. Mm. And Smith had a um, – Smith had a really nice move during the penalty shot to he score did. and tie the game. And, like, that's the thing is, like, Smith low-key has good hands and a good shot. I almost feel like the only problem is he's kind of slow. He's not the fleetest of foot. But I feel like if he was faster, he'd be such a dynamic player. Like, he's got the tools. Like, the tools are there. You know? Like, I have faith that Giovanni Smith could be an everyday NHLer. I do. Just like, cause, hey, man, he, he's fourth-line right wing when we ho- hoist Lord Stanley. Let me, let me believe that. Believe that. So I, I'm, I definitely like, I'm a Giovanni. I'm not as big of a fan as you are, but I'm a big Giovanni Smith fan as well. And I want, 
I, I want that man to succeed. Kind of a fan favorite of him. He's kind How of a fan you know? favorite. Yeah. Well, because he brings that that edge, you know. Yeah. The Red Wings really haven't had that edge in a long time, and he brings the edge, and it's it is something that every NHL team does need. So absolutely. Um, I think that does about about does it, man. Do you got anything else? I mean, I like I love David Perron. I, I didn't mention anything about David Perron. Oh, he was, he was over the weekend. Really, he was like just, the big story. Like he just looks phenomenal. I yeah. think he's. I, he, I think he might be getting an A, man. He just he just is. Radiating, we about that, yeah. Didn't we kind of did. say like Mike and I? Well, because we we talked, like we did an episode during the off season where we Didn't talked. We say about him who's... and Sherratt. I feel like those. Yeah, were right. I think that'd be right. It's just weird bringing in guys and giving them the letters, but those For are guys sure. who wore letters in the past. I mean, Sherratt wore with Montreal, and um, I mean, Perron wore with Vegas. It, it just, yeah. it just, it makes sense. It does. He just, I mean, we, like, like, I mean, Stall. I, I know, you know, whatever. He had, he was here for a couple of years, but like Stall wore. And I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. I mean, like, it's weird that the guys you bring in are your best options, but man, because Perron especially, so many good things have come out over the weekend of him. Like one, like oh, leading the charge yeah. during camp with his energy. We're talking about players that have just, yeah, just gotten uh, a lot of praise over the last three or four days. He's certainly toward the top of that list. Well, I understand now why uh, St. Louis fans love him. Like he's yeah, just, absolutely. he's such a, his, the energy and the, you know, drive he brings is so important. So I like him a lot. I just wanted to say that before we had to sign off. Yep. Uh, any final thoughts? We ball. We ball. I will be back on Tuesday with a new episode. Same time, same place. See your team every day. Every day.